Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. Amen. Well, I feel the Lord in this place. Y'all going to help me preach this morning? I need a lot of help to, uh, being able to preach, so uh, you don't get tired on me. We got a little bit of time left in this flight. That's what I like to say it, is uh, we're getting on a plane and we're sending somewhere. So uh, let's go to Luke chapter 1. I really want to go back um, where we were at um, on Wednesday night. I'm just going back into that same thing. I want to speak from those places uh, where we talked there on Wednesday night. Uh, this past Wednesday night, we were supposed to uh, stuff the the uh, Easter eggs, and um, we uh, just to give some more on that. But anyhow, they didn't come in, so we we just switched over to do a service. And I think some had laid out didn't want to stuff no Easter eggs, and then so we just had a small crowd this past Wednesday night. But we had a really good service in here, so I want to go back and share some of that that we were talking about on Wednesday night. I want to also share just some stories, just some prophetic things that have that we have encountered over the last six months, and that's really what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about uh, really just carrying the promises. What I want to speak from today so if you will uh, let's go to Luke chapter 1 in verse 30, Father, we just thank you for this time right now. And Lord, we just thank you that you're going to open our ears to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us in this region, Father. We just thank you, Lord, for the South being awakened. We thank you just for divine uh, uh, connections and alliances being formed right now just to see a great move of God come to the South. Amen. How many is expecting a great move of God to come to the South? Come on. How many? I, do I got more than six in here. Hallelujah. And don't get in a hurry right after service. We're going to turn our attention back here to the back. We're going to baptize two people this morning. So how many knows that? Come on, let's celebrate the goodness of God. Hallelujah. And we believe here that baptism is far more than just a public profession of faith. You with me? God used water to drown Pharaoh, the horse, and the rider. So when we baptize somebody in that tank, we make a prophetic declaration over their life that the enemies that have hounded you in the past are going to drown today. Come on, somebody. That we baptize and we go under a dead man when we come back up a resurrected man into the likeness of Jesus. Amen? All right, so let's go right here to Luke chapter 1. We're talking on the subject of carrying the promise. And then, uh, Gavin, you'll get the video ready that we're going to use this morning. So uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 30, it says, Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Highest will overshadow you. Therefore... Also that the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived in her old age and is now the sixth month 
for her who was called barren. For with God, look at this, look at this, for with God nothing, what, will be impossible. Then Mary said, behold the maidservant of the Lord, look at this, let it be, uh, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now I want to um, talk about, and I made this statement on Wednesday night. I said that we have got to go from receiving prophetic words to being able to carry prophetic words. There's a reason why the Bible says despise not prophesying. Uh, how many in here, if you, how many would say that I got some prophetic words over my life that have not come to pass? About a few people. All right, so how many knows that there's a, the Bible says in Psalms, until the word of the Lord was fulfilled over Joseph, that the word of the Lord tested Joseph. There is a testing of the word. The Bible says in Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, that when the word comes, what? The fowl of the air comes to snatch it away. So there is that battle to hold on to what God had said. There is the battle that we must, uh, we must stay strong in the night season, what God has spoken today, if you will. And so back in, I guess it was around October of 2017. 2017 for me personally was a very hard year. And at the end of the year, we were just focusing. I was just basically in hunker down mode, just saying, God, would you please turn the tide? That's, that was my prayer. And uh, because I had felt like God had shown us a lot, but I felt like we were seeing very little of what God was saying. And then uh, this really spawned off of a, off of a, a, a lunch that I had with Stanton and um, and he began to speak and he brought back up again uh, the revival man prophecy. Those of you who are not aware of that, you can Google that it's, it's, or you can go to the calls website. It's a prophetic word that was released by Bob Jones and he and I began to look at that word and see a lot of things that we felt like that we had, we had in common with that prophetic word that was released. And so... After that, I felt like that I, they asked, uh, uh, Gavin asked me to write a blog. And I had something in my heart, basically this, uh, there's a book titled Quest for Revival. Uh, and so I had that, that, that title just in my heart. And the Lord began to speak to me off of the movie National Treasure. How many members of that movie, National Treasure, with Nicolas Cage? The Lord began to speak to me uh, about this movie. But I'm telling you, I felt like even this morning, the things that I'm going to share, maybe I didn't dive into that as much is what I should have. But anyhow, I, I began and I wrote a blog, uh, the, the Quest for Revival. So I want to show you this opening clip of the movie National Treasure and I want to I I speak from this. Go ahead, roll it right here. Turn it up. Make sure it's going into the, seat, the, to the podcast. Crossing this kind of terrain with nothing more than dog sleds and on foot. Can you imagine? It's extraordinary. You getting closer? Assuming Ben's theory is correct and my tracking model's accurate, we should be getting very close. Don't go by me. I broke a shoelace this morning. Bad omen. Shall we turn around and go home? Or we could pull over and just throw them out here. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, Riley, you're not missing that little windowless cubicle we found you in, are you? No, no. 
absolutely down. Why are we stopping? I thought we were looking for a ship. We don't see any ship. She's out there. Look, this is a waste of time. How could the ship wind up way out here? Well, I'm no expert, but it could be that the hydrothermic properties of this region produce hurricane force ice storms that cause the ocean to freeze and then melt and then refreeze, resulting in a semi-solid migrating landmass that would land a ship right around here. shown up, hadn't believed the treasure was real, I don't know if ever would have found Charlotte. You would have found it, I have no doubt. That's why I didn't think he was... Hot. I'm telling you, there's so much prophetic stuff in that right there in just that clip. There's so much prophetic stuff in that clip. If you'll stay with me, I'm telling you, God's going to do something in this house this morning. There was men on that, in that truck saying there's no ship but he said oh she's out there well for the Lord in this place she's out there that's the prophet saying guys listen she's out there she's out there that's, that's Elijah crying out saying the cloud the size of a man's hand is there but the servant comes back and says I don't see nothing he says go look again and I feel like many not only me but many in this house have become weary from looking for the Charlotte but I want to tell you something when I, when I was on this and I knew that Charlotte was a city in the revival man prophecy I thought oh my God but I'm telling you I believe God's speaking something greater than just Charlotte there's something about that city can I tell you that Billy Graham came from Charlotte, North Carolina and just a few weeks ago he was laid to rest in Charlotte, North Carolina and I believe God is speaking that there is about to be a generation that's going to uncover what came from Charlotte, North Carolina there won't be one Billy Graham but there will be an entire generation of Billy Grahams equipped to preach the gospel is that not our call on the earth to be salt, to be light come on somebody that I'm not the only one in full time ministry but everyone in this room 
is equipped with the gospel to carry the good news of Jesus Christ and the only thing you have to have is your story what God has done for you can I tell you of a man like the woman said in John 4 can I tell you of a man that told me everything I had ever done you with me it's a little dead in this house but we're going to preach it anyhow come on somebody I know how to preach funerals too so Father, we just thank you, Lord. And I feel like that down here in my region, God called me to the south. And down here in the south where we're at, and the things that we believe and we, we want to see happen. And I told Catherine that if she was to go to the local, she's a school teacher here. And if she was to go to the schoolhouse and tell some of the things like we believe in raising the dead, most of the church would laugh you to scorn. But yet that is full in your New Testament. Come on, somebody. And we say these religious cliches, well, I, there's only one man ever walked on water. Friend, you need to read your Bible. There was another man walked on water. His name was Peter. And that is the power of God's word, friend. Come on, somebody. That it has the ability to take you across the waters. It takes has the ability to take you across the seas and across the storms of life. If we notice, he never began to sink until he took his eyes off of Jesus. That's the only time you and I begin to sink. And so we've, we begin to dig and we begin to dig down in this thing. And this is, this is what I wrote in the article. That many would say, you know, John, you're kind of crazy just going after revival. Many would say that. When we could just sit back and rest in the grace message or what any other thing. And I wrote in my article, and I don't believe this. I don't believe when it's all said and done that I'm going to be disappointed for my quest and trying to find God. Come on, somebody. I, I believe my, my call is not to set back and settle for some religious cliche to hear about what God used to do or maybe what he will do. Friend, I'm alive right now and I need to know about the God that's a present help in the time of trouble. I need to know God's still alive if I get diagnosed with cancer. I need to know God's still alive if one of my kids walks away from God. I need to know there's more of God. Friend, there's so much more to him. We've not begun to uncap and, unta and tap into the fullness of him yet. Billy Graham modeled a life of what it was like to walk as an evangelist. But I just believe in the days we're headed, God's not going to use the one man anymore. He wants to use an entire body. He doesn't want people to have to go look to one man, but he needs a body that people can look to. Where believers that own your job as you teach school, you're equipped to do the works of the Lord. You don't have to go get your pastor to cast out a devil. You know how to cast out a devil. You don't have to go get the Sunday school teacher to lay hands on the sick. You know how to lay hands on the sick. You with me? This is where we're headed. Now, I thought that many things have been prophesied since Billy Graham's death, but I felt like that the Lord has been speaking to me for some time out of Matthew chapter 20. And for the sake of time, we're just going to go there and I'll just share with you out of my heart and you can trust it. I'm in the Bible, but in Matthew chapter 20, there's a parable of the labors. And Jesus starts out in this parable of the labors that said that he, that he agreed to have some workers. And they all agreed, they all agreed to have, um, they all agreed uh, they would work for a denario. And these workers started early in the morning. 
And as they were working early in the morning and about nine o'clock, about the ninth hour and sixth hour and the ninth hour, the, the, the landowner went out and he found people idle, not doing anything. And he summoned them to come into the vineyard and work. And he agreed to pay them. And then all throughout this parable, we see that the, the different times that Jesus goes out and he, he, he hires new workers. And then at the very closing of the 11th hour, he went out and he found some workers. And he brought them in and they worked in. Then it came time to settle up the account. And he paid the ones, listen, that showed up last, he paid them first. Notice how Jesus was checking the heart of the ones that pulled it all day. He could have he paid them first and let them walk away, but that's not how he does. See, because the kingdom of God is all about the heart, friend. Come on, somebody. It's all about heart issues. And God, that's why Jesus, when he started out in Matthew, he is called the Beatitudes, which should be our attitude. Because he knew the kingdom, the kingdom doesn't come with the observations of men, but the kingdom is within. It's, it's the heart. And so he pays them at the end and he gives them a full wage. And then the ones that had pulled it all day said, hey, hold on, we're getting ripped off here. We've been out here since seven o'clock this morning. We've been out here since daylight. We pulled it through the heat of the day. But he said, did not you all agree when you started? Did not I agree? We all agreed on the payment? Well, don't call me evil when I have paid you what we agreed upon. What are you saying, preacher? I believe this speaks of right now where we're at in the church. Billy Graham toted it through the heat of the day. Many's in this room, in the life of this church, you've toted it through the heat of the day. But there's going to come a generation of people, there's coming a people, even in this house, that, have, that not, have, has not known any storm. That hasn't walked through any storm. And God's going to summon them and put a great anointing upon their lives. And some of them is going to be, have a greater grace and a greater anointing that's upon our own lives. And it's up to us whether we want to kill them in that moment or say, you know what? Hey, I thank God that I was able to clear the way for you. Come on, somebody. And you have the platform to stand on and we celebrate what God's doing in their life and see that this end time laborers come in and be welcomed in to, to, to do what God's called them to do in this hour. In 2008, Catherine and I were pastoring a church we planted in my hometown. It was a Sunday morning service in May. We were, we were, it was our anniversary service. We had been going for two years. We planted the church in 2006. We planted the church in May of 2006. I was 26 years old. The first funeral we preached was my, was my, was my own, was my dad's. My dad, um, in, in November of, of 2005, started having some pain or whatever, thought he had a kidney stone. Come to find out it was a, it was a tumor on his pancreas. And, um, and so I preached his funeral in August of 2006. So we planted the church in May. First funeral I get is my own father's. And so I love to celebrate those healings of cancers. Come on, somebody. Come on now. And so... so we rock on and the Lord's moving. God's doing amazing things. And in May of 2008, it's our anniversary service. We had a service just like this morning. God was moving during worship. And Pastor Dale's preaching for me. He gets behind the pulpit and he just calls Catherine up and he said, I just feel like that we're to lay hands upon you this morning just for fresh commissioning. 
just for a fresh commissioning. You all right? And so I, 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 I'm sitting there, and then he starts out. He just said that, he said, the Lord's real strong in this place this morning. And then he goes on to say, he said that what I'm sensing this morning is this is a decade thing. This is a decade thing. And then he just bust off and prophesies. And he says, "For God said what has been missing out of this city has been missing for over 10 years. He said, but God says, know this son, that there has been many Naomi's and Ruth's that have left and they've gone to the land of Moab. But God says that they're coming back. For the sound, there's a sound being released. And there's a smell of fresh bread wafting all over this city. And the Naomi's and the Ruth's are going to, and the Naomi's are coming back, God said. And they're bringing the Ruth's with them. And know this, son, that this is your breakout year. And I verily seldom go down. And if I do go down, you better have a good catcher behind me. Come on, somebody. And so, but anyhow, that morning, I, I, uh, Catherine had already fell out. She, she falls out and drove a hat. So I had her. And uh, who was it? It was Grant. Uh, or Grant, I think it was, was in my left arm. So I'm holding my wife up, who's completely fell out. I'm trying to hold myself up, and I got my child, you know what I'm saying, in my, in my arms when we received this word. And I remember leaving the house of God thinking, my God, 10 years, God was moving in 1998. If you've been in the church a long time, God, there was a tremendous move of God in the church in 1998. I said this Wednesday night that Tommy Teeny wrote a book called The God Chasers which he released in 1998 because the church was semi like we, like we have been a little bit down here in the south, was stuck in a rut. And Tommy Tenney wrote this book, The God Chasers, about apprehending God. Come on, somebody. He, talk, he tells a story about God striking the pulpit and lightning, like a lightning bolt, God just split the pulpit, laid the whole church out. So I said, I don't even, y'all looking at me like cattle in a new gate. Read the Bible, it helps. Come on, somebody. When Solomon dedicated the temple in the Old Testament, when he dedicated the temple in the Old Testament, in the book of Chronicles, the seventh chapter, I think it was seventh Chronicles or first Chronicles chapter seven, when they dedicate the temple, the Bible says that when the psalmist and the minstrels got up on the stage and they all lifted their voice to begin to dedicate it unto the Lord, the Bible says the glory of God filled that temple. Does it not say that? It filled the temple that the priest could not even see stand to minister and what I want to ask you if that was an old covenant story under an old inferior promise how much more should it be glorious in the New Testament church in the tabernacle of God come on somebody so I leave that church that day I'm on cloud nine God said this was our breakout year and so I remember back in 1998 this is where God was really moving in my city, my hometown. So I said, God has went back a decade. And in that moment, let me tell you something, the funny thing about prophecy. If it's prophecy, is future tense. Did you hear what I said? God's talking about something in the future. And for the first two or three years, I carried that word believing that 2008 was my breakout year. And I didn't see, even though we went to a larger venue in 2009 and took in this whole shopping center and made, you know, created this big sanctuary, I, I just really didn't believe that I saw the breakthrough that God said that I was going to have. 
And in 2013, the whole year, I felt like God was telling me to leave. To leave the church that I planted. And I said, God, how, why would you tell me to leave? Why would you tell me to leave something I planted? How many knows that God, I mean, some plant, some water, but God gives the increase. And by September of that year, Kath and I resigned as the senior leaders of that church. And we handed that church off. And I remember leaving that night. And, and one, of, one of the guys at my church, he stood out by the road and I could just see him in my rear view mirror and his hands was just up and I was just broken. I said, God, I don't understand all of this. And I had no idea within two months God would move me to Sparks, Georgia, the cornerstone. So you come with fresh vision. You know what I'm saying? It's a fresh start. You come with a fresh vision, but you still got these words on the shelf. Am I talking to anybody? You still got these words on the shelf that you don't understand. You don't know what to do. So, and be honest with you, I felt like I had missed the window. I felt like it was over. Let me tell you something. If God ever said it, it's never over. With God, all things are possible. It's just alive today with Him as the day He released it out of His mouth, friend. The Bible says one day to the Lord, this is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day from the Lord. Even though it was ten years, years ago, 20 years ago, it's fresh on his mind. And so we come and we got here in November of 2013. We moved our family in 2014. We hit the ground running and God has done amazing things in the four years that we've been here. And I started noticing probably around the 2016, 17 era. That the Naomi's that used to be a part of this house were coming back to this church. One by one, they started coming back. They started, I feel like I got to go back to Cornerstone. I feel like I got to go back to Cornerstone. I feel like I got to go back to Cornerstone. And then in November of, I mean, October of last year in 2017, it went off like a light bulb. What God spoke to me in May of 2008, God was speaking about the year 2018. And just as God was moving in 1998, look at the stuff that happened in 1998. Mike Bickle started IHOP. I believe that's right. The ramp was started in 98. The call was being launched around 98. Bill Johnson and Chris Valentin launched the Supernatural School of Ministry in 1998. There was a lot of stuff happening in 1998. And I felt like the Lord showed me and told me last week, just as Tommy Tenney wrote a foreword, if you will, the book was a forerunner for, for, for to wake the church up, there's coming another message in this hour that's gonna propel the church into its final destiny. About three people excited over that. That's all right. Come on. We say, well, 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 Pastor, I thought things are gonna get really bad on earth. That's because you, you need to take them Southern Gospel CDs you got and put them on the shelf. Come on, somebody, and read your Bible, friend. Come on, come on. Isaiah said there's coming a road called the highway of holiness that even a fool can find his way on that path. Come on, somebody. I, I'm not saying that the world is not gonna get darker, but I'm telling you, the church is gonna get brighter every day. She is a bride without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Come on, that Ephesians says, her body is in equal proportion to her head. She's walking in power, and she's in love with the King of Kings. It's when the Spirit and the bride say, come. Come on, people get mad with this type of preaching. That's all right. Had a lady said, what about Matthew 24? 
There'll be wars and rumors of war. What about what Paul said, the great falling away? The great falling away was the dark ages. Come on, do your history. There's no great falling away coming, friend. There's coming a great awakening coming. The falling away's already happened. It was a dark age of a thousand years where the men and women of God didn't even have a Bible. They had to listen to a priest interpret the scripture for them. But God raised up a man in the 1400 uh, by the name of Johannes Gutenberg and he invented the printing press. And when he invented the printing press, Martin Luther had everything in place to run with the great reformation. Come on somebody. He interpreted the word, had the word of God put in mass print so it could be handed to the believers. There's coming another freedom movement like this, friend. Come on, somebody, where a body is being empowered to do the ministry and not the lead shepherd in the house. All right. So we, we left that meeting, and I said, God, could it be, could it be that you're saying that what you said to me in 2008 was 2018 that I was going to go through a decade of a whole lot of stuff that I don't understand and still don't understand some of it. Come on. I know this, that God doesn't waste nothing in our lives. Every circumstance, He wastes nothing in our lives. Friend, are you with me? He's, he's, just, he's just this awesome artist that is sewing a tapestry, a quilt, if you will. Every crooked place, every hard place that we walk through is to propel us into where our destiny is to head us for. If you've had a lot of struggle in your life, you say, I just don't understand. Why is this struggle? I'll remind you this. The greater the call that's on your life is the greater the struggle to get you there, friend. Come on now. You remember Rebecca when she went to God and said, God, why is this pregnancy so rough for me? He said, because there's two nations shut up in your womb. And when the nations are shut up in your womb, you're going to struggle in that pregnancy. You're going to have a hard time carrying that word. You're going to have every opportunity to throw it down and say, I don't even believe it no more. It was Mary when she was highly favored. Look at the favor of God, what it cost her. She was an outcast to society. She was known as a young, promiscuous girl. Joseph, who was betrothed to her, tried to put her away. But yet she said, let it be unto me according to your word. God, I believe it was you. I know this was supernatural. I believe it was, I won't lay this word down. I'm going to tote it through fruition. And then when she got time to give the word, she went to the hotel and there was no room for her. Come on. They were still trying to shove her out. But she made her way to a little major and she gave birth to the promise that forever changed the world you say well could God be giving somebody in Sparks Georgia something that's going to change the south sure he would I'm telling you God loves obscure no name places does he not church and he chooses the weak to confound the mind of the wise and he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies those who he calls. So I said, holy smokes. God could be speaking that 2018 is the breakout year. That this is the year. Stan and I stood out there Friday and cried a lot. We were talking about prophetic words. We were talking about this subject. And I said, you know, 
I said, maybe, maybe what we're looking for, maybe we won't see it all in 2018. Maybe this is just the dom- dominoes falling that's going to set up for it. You with, you with me? So it rocked on in, in December, wasn't it December? We said, we're going to Columbus, Ohio. We said it in my house, we're going to Columbus, Ohio. We're going to meet the Lou Engel in the call, and we're going to Columbus, Ohio. So we set it up. We booked the tickets. We didn't only say it, we booked the tickets that day. Got the tickets booked. We're going to Columbus. So we go and we leave Sparks, Georgia. How many knows it's a long ways to Columbus, Ohio? It's only an hour flight from Atlanta. It ain't bad, but it's a long ways in a car. How many, how many knows this, that John Bagley and Stanton Moore is probably not known in Columbus, Ohio? We don't have no connections up there other than Pastor Parsley. We got that now. And so we get on a Friday afternoon, we get to go to World Harvest Church. And we're in World Harvest Church, if you don't know that, Rob Parsley on TBN and Breakthrough, that's World Harvest Church. We're standing at World Harvest Church. We go through everything. We're going right there on the set where Pastor Parsley sets and records Breakthrough. We go through the whole thing. And we're looking behind this pulpit. And I told Stanton, I said, I'm not getting behind this pulpit. He's a grown man. You know what I'm saying? I said, but I'll stand on his stage and you look and there's that 5,000 seater sitting out there. It looks a little different than what we're preaching to this morning. But how many knows if you don't see it, you could never get there? And let me say this, I have never, I, I have always had vision beyond where I'm at. I'm always looking at the windshield. There's something greater on the horizon. Come on, somebody. So we go through that, and we, we go to the call event in Columbus the next day. And so we, we're outside, and I'm going to talk to a leader that we, we want to bring here to Cornerstone, and I'm talking with him, and I'm telling him about where we're at, what we believe God's telling us. And he just said, my, you know, he said, I believe there's a lot of stuff that, that, that is running alongside of the revival man. Prophecy. One, the first city that speaks of is Cleveland. You've heard me go through this. But when Stanton was three or four years old, it was in that building over there that Gary Brooks called him out and prophesied and called him into the ministry at four or five years of age. Danny and his dad had just went to Cleveland and went to a Cleveland Indians game. Is that correct? Went to a Cleveland Indians game. His daddy bought him a Cleveland jacket and Stanton was wrapped up. He had that jacket on when Gary Brooks called him out. We, this church sets on Cleveland Street. We know that God is speaking to us about Cleveland. There was so much stuff going into this thing and I ain't got time to run through it all today. So we go to Columbus. We carrying the word that we feel like God said that 2018 will be a breakout year. We had met a girl the day before at, at, um, at, at World Harvest. She said that her and her husband, which is from Pakistan, named Fiaz, will be at, at the meeting. So we said, well, maybe we'll see them. Well, there was tremendous, if you remember when we went, there was a tremendous winter storm that swept through the heartland, shut a lot of the roads down. I mean, it was blizzard conditions. Listen, you think it was fun playing in the snow here up there? It was a whole lot different playing in the snow. I'm telling you right now, it was cold. <laughs> and, uh, and so um, it was a whole different type of cold, I can tell you that. And so anyhow, so, so we get there and we see them. And so 
we go for four hours. We go for four hours praying and declaring the word of God over the city of Columbus. Go for four hours. And so we get done and we're out in there. We're out in this little fo- out in this foyer. This is a huge place. It's about 3,000 people. So we're in this large foyer. Tapes where they sell their media stuff. All of that's going on. And so I'm talking to this leader that's in Washington, D.C. about coming to Cornerstone. And so anyhow, as we get done talking, I see that there's Amanda and Fioz, and they're right behind me, and they're talking to, uh, to Terry and Grant. And so anyhow, I stand before this. I've never seen this guy before in my life. I've never, never laid eyes on him in my life. Terry looks at him and says, Tell Pastor the story of the man that was healed with the withered hand. They see massive healings in Pakistan and even in their ministry here in the States. And by God's grace and mercy, they're going to be here in this church the first week of June and we're going to do a healing crusade. I'm going to put that out in print in this town and I dare you to bring the sick, bring the paralyzed, bring the blind, bring the lame to death and let's watch God in his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven heaven. I'm praying and contending for miracles to silence the mouth of the unbeliever. Come on somebody. You come a day late and a dollar short to tell me God don't heal and do miracles friend. I've done seen them. You with me? First miracle that happened at our church in Alma was on Easter Sunday morning. They brought, brought a little baby to me. The parents weren't even married. Believe that. That'll blow religion right up. God don't heal you because you're in right relationship. He heals you because he loves you, friend. Come on, somebody. And his son took 39 stripes upon his back at the whipping post. They brought that baby right there to me. And I did. this is not how, let me tell you how I prayed. I didn't pray, Lord, if it be thy will, you could come do something. I stuck my fingers in that child's ears and I said, you deaf and dumb spirit. I command you to come out and loose this child right now in the name of Jesus. Nothing happened. Looked like a fool in there. Probably was laughed at by some, but let me tell you something. Three days later, that family called me and said the phone rang in the house and woke that baby up until today right here he's got 100% hearing in both ears tell me God ain't a miracle working God friend just cause you don't see it in your church don't mean it ain't happening I'm telling you God is the same yesterday today and forevermore if he healed in the book of Acts if he healed in the 40's if he healed in the 50's surely he'll do it today we just gotta find a church that still believes Somebody said, well, you know, miracles are coming back to the church. Miracles have never left the church. Prayer and fasting left the church. Belief left the church, but miracles have never left the church. All right. We got a little bit left on the flight, y'all, okay? We'll be serving peanuts and bottled water in a minute. Just stay right on, okay? Should we get there? Tell pastor the story of the withered hand. This man turns around and fastens his eyes on me. When he turns and fastens his eyes on me, you got to lean in because he's from Pakistan. And he said, yes, pastor. Yes, pastor. This is what he said. Yes, pastor. He says, for this is the year. For this is the year. For yea, I shall lengthen thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. For this is the breakout year, says the Lord. And I will take thee, I will spread thee like butter. I will spread all over the land. I shall spread thee like butter, says God. 
I was so open when he said, when he said yes, Pastor, the second time the Spirit of God was all over me. I was weeping so hard. The only thing I could do is I took my wallet out and I said, I, everything that I had in there, if I'd had my house paid for, my vehicle paid for, I'd have gave him that right there at the same time too. It was that type of moment. I took everything I had out of my wallet and I give it. When I handed him the money, he stuck his hand up and he said, he said, Father, he said, I pray you bless this man. You know what I'm saying? It was just that moment. And God divinely connected us with your people in Columbus, Ohio. What are you saying? I said, God took me from Sparks, Georgia to remind me again of the promise. Listen, I want to get in the second woman right here. Elizabeth had been toting a child for six months, but she didn't feel nothing. She didn't know. Listen, any woman in here that's had a baby knows by six months you should feel something kicking around in there. She don't, she don't got nothing kicking. She ain't got nothing stirring. But when Mary came back to the house and told her of the vision and the promise that she had, the scripture says that the babe leaped in her womb. I believe what God is doing in this hour. The babies that have been dormant, God is causing to leap into the womb again. It is time to dig through the frozen tundra and find the Charlotte. I'm telling the church in this region in the south, she is there. She is there. She is there. It is here. It is now. It is time. It's time to get the pickaxe out and dig again. You gotta dig through religion. You gotta dig through depression and discouragement and keep on digging till you get it. My God, I feel the Holy Ghost in this church. It is here. God did say it. God wasn't playing. He wasn't pulling nothing. Matthew 11, 1 through 6, tells the story of John the Baptist. He's now in prison. He's in prison. And he's sitting there in that prison cell and he has some of his disciples to visit him. And he said, will you go ask... Will you go ask Jesus this question? Is he the one or should we look for another? Jesus says, go tell John, the lame are walking, the blind are seeing, the deaf are hearing, and blessed is he who is not offended in me. Now think about this. John was so excited when he laid eyes on Jesus. Not when he laid eyes on him, they first cousins. Come on, somebody. No, they probably played ball together. Jesus always had a better batting average. Come on. <laughs> but when the spiritual eyes of John opened and he saw God's gift on the earth, he looked at Jesus and he said, Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. He said this publicly. And he, he was publicly pointing out the Messiah. Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sin of the world. How do you go from saying beholding the Lamb of God to is this even really Him? It's in the night season. It's in the 2010, 2011. It's in the 2013, when God tells you to leave the place that you planted. 
And it's into 2015, 16, and 17 when things get hard and you don't see the growth that you thought you should see. It's in that time that we take those words, friend, that we carry. And if we're not real careful, we'll begin to abort the promises that God spoke to us. Come on, are you with me? Now think about this. I want, I want to just, I'm, I'm, I'm getting as close to the airport. But in Psalms, help me Holy Ghost. Psalms 119 verse 105 says this. It says, thy, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now think about this. The prophetic promise that you're carrying, I promise you will not always be a lighted path. Sometimes you have to walk with the lamp. Are you with me? The lamp is when you cannot see next week and you cannot hardly see tomorrow. You can only see today. This is good right here, church. I've had to learn to take my promises that God has spoken. Sometimes I have the lamp in my hand. And when I got the lamp in my hand, I don't know what's going to happen next year. I don't know what's going to happen next week. Only thing I can see is right around my feet. And it's in that moment, do you stay planted? Do you stay planted on what God said? Listen to me. To be planted is destiny concealed. I'm dropping you some nuggets right here. To be planted is destiny concealed. Do you know what planted is? Right now the farmers are planting. They take the seed which cost them an arm and a leg now. And they take and put it in a hopper. And they got a tractor and they pulling it. Where's the seed doing? Falling into the ground. And something comes to pack it in. No daylight. That seed is living by the lamp. It's just laying. God, you said, you said this was my breakout year. And look at the first three months. You ain't broke nothing out. I don't know. Maybe Fiaz. That maybe, maybe. Man, what was that in Columbus, God? What was that? The man told me in Washington, D.C. that he would come and we were going to believe that you were going to do something with racism in the South and we can't even hear back from him. What is that? Maybe what? Was we just young, greenhorns, crazy believing? Then I got this prophet going to text me and say, I've done been on the plane. I've been on the plane in the spirit and we're just trying to live for the day. It's the lamp. It's the lamp. But I want to tell you this morning, if you'll be faithful with that lamp, God will change that lamp to a light. Danny, will he not do it? Just sat up there, you ain't got nobody to listen to you, but you had one listening. Come on, somebody. When everybody walked away, there was still one listening. And that's the one voice that matters. Come on. When the devil's crying out, oh, you ain't going to make it. You ain't going to make it. I'm telling you. I don't care if you hear that little bit of slight whisper. You can make it. Come on, somebody. You can make I come to tell somebody, you're not only going to make it, you're going to make it big, friend. I said I came to tell somebody, you ain't just going to get by. You're going to thrive. I come to tell somebody, the same tide that receded is coming back again. All right. The lamp, the lamp, the lamp, I can't see. Kevin said, what are we doing? I don't know, I can't see. 
What's the last thing we heard God say? Let's just stay right here. Finally, my brother, when you've done all you know to do, stand. Stand there for girded. Don't stand there like a sissy. Stand there girded. Having your head covered with the helmet of salvation. Your chest covered with the breastplate of righteousness. Your loins girded with the belt of truth. Come on, somebody. Having the shield of faith in one hand and the sword of the spirit in the other hand. Having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Just stand in the lamp. Why was the soldier's feet shod with the spikes on the bottom to hold the ground? This is a holding ground situation when you're with the lamp. This is destiny concealed. This, listen, when increase come, when you're flying on the plane, that's destiny revealed. But there's no destiny revealed without it first being concealed. John 14 says, unless a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it is willing to be planted and die, it will bear some 30, some 60, some 90, and 100 fold. We got, we, got, we got 11 minutes left on the flight, okay? Put your seatbelt on. We're fixing to start descending down. I want to tell you, listen, I love telling this story when I preach on subjects like this. In the late 70s, there was a man shaking, I mean, just tearing up the Christian world in music by the name of Keith Green. By the early 80s, he, he was thrust into just, I mean, national platform, God moving or whatever on him and his wife. They were believing God for great things. They had prophetic words of great things. Listen to this. It was a summer day in July. I believe it was 1984, maybe somebody Google that. 82 maybe. July of 82, Keith Green's death. There were some missionary friends that had gathered to their ranch in Texas. And those missionary friends wanted to go up in the plane that, that Keith and them had just acquired a small aircraft. And Keith got in there with two of his children and a and family of six missionaries. They were just going to fly over the ranch and take an evening flight. Now think about it. Keith and his wife received a prophetic word that God was going to use them in their ministry to shake teenagers all over the world. He was scheduled to go to ORU University in the fall of that year. And on that afternoon, they got it. They really didn't even make it very, very far. And the plane went down, killing the family of six, killing Keith Green and his two small children. When the news came back to Melanie, I think is his wife, she called Leonard Ravenhill. And she said, Leonard, Keith is gone. Keith is gone. And Leonard spoke through the phone and told her, unless a grain of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But if it falls into the ground and dies, it shall bear much fruit. And thus saith God, his ministry will touch more now that he's gone than he would if he was alive. Now God had a promise to them. How, what do you do when the promise dies? Can I tell you the promise was never in Keith. The promise was in Christ Jesus and he never has died. He's alive forevermore. 
That's enough to make me shout. Do you know what it means? That means when John Bagley's not faithful, when John Bagley stumbles and falls that the promise of God was never in me, the promise was always in him. Come on, somebody. And if he be for me, then who in the world could be against me? There was a young man at ORU University waiting to hear this man called Keith Green. You've heard of him. His name is Ron Luce. And he has the ministry of Acquire the Fire. And today, Ron Luce's ministry, Acquire the Fire, sits on the very grounds that Keith Green lost his life in the ranch that they owned. And God's promise was to them, yes and amen, that today, Acquire the Fire is changing teenagers all across the world. Thousands upon thousands have had encounters with Jesus through that ministry. God's promises are yes and amen. But what he has to have from you is a willingness to carry the promise. Will you tote it? Will you tote the promise that God said, that God said that this region is forever going to be changed by the glory of God? Do you believe that? I need some people to help me to believe this. Come on now. If you ain't gonna believe it, then God sends someone to take your chair to help me believe it. Come on now. I'm telling you God is on the move in the south, friend. You with me? I'm telling you that church people, the believers are fed up with religion. They're looking for something, friend. They're just like they're just like Nicolas Cage in that movie National Treasure. They're on the search to find the Charlotte. If you ever seek your teeth in Jesus, friend, church will never satisfy you. That's why Psalms 34 and 8 says, taste of the Lord and see that he is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. Has anybody ever got your teeth in Jesus and found that he is the only thing that suffice? If that's for you, stand up and shout glory. Come on, somebody. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.